Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Back for another fine episode of Brewster Home here in lovely downtown Concord at the Hop Grenade. And if, happy to be here. If you happen to be in the area, like yep. uh, you're coming out for the uh, Winterfest, stop by the Hop Grenade afterwards. Should be cool. John and I will be here. That's right. Matter of fact, we're doing uh, shows that uh, Friday before it. You come into town... Hang out for some Bruce Strong shows. Hang out the next day for the Winterfest. Sunday, go yeah. get your liver Hitch replaced. There you go. Yeah, you're staying in town, right, Palmer? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I uh, have to kind of clear the schedule of my wife, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be worthwhile to stay there and talk with some fine brewers and some good beer drinkers that you'll have there at Winterfest. There you go. You know who's a fine drinker? Ah, uh, yes. Our good friend John Blickman. He is indeed. He, he, he'll get his drink on. I mean, he's a pretty sober guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'll he'll drink. He'll drink. Yeah. You know. He's got a twinkle in his eye. He enjoys his beer. Mm-hmm. And he, he, gets, he gets a little ribald in his tails every once in a while. You wouldn't <laughs> think so, right? Right. You hang out with the dude long enough. You, you hear it. You, he, he, tell, he tells a... Uh, he works a little blue every once in a while, I think. Huh? Huh? But he's a he's a brewer like the rest of us. Yes, he he's a great guy. And well, where he's not like the rest of us is he's uh, smart and, uh, and <laughs> innovative. He's, he's got innovative. He's got a great engineering mind, and he puts that that great mind to work at Blickman Engineering. Uh, that, I guess that's why they named the company after him. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they make all sorts of cool stuff to make your brew day better. So uh, go check them out. They sponsor the show, so you don't have to pay a, a dime for the show. Uh, Blickman Engineering's uh, picking up the tab on that. Uh, BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's. Check them out. They'll they'll be at the uh, Homebrewers Conference, too. They'll have a, a nice booth there, and you can touchy-feely a lot of the stainless steel. You can probably touchy-feely John Blickman himself. Uh, have, have a wild time. Uh, you have my permission. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the first person to touch John, and then uh, and then I'll hear about it. <laughs> Jamil said so. <laughs> Jamil said so. Trying to come and punch me in the junk. Just knowing that's going to happen. Uh, speaking of punching me in the junk, uh, we've got uh, a great uh, show lined up for you. Uh, Q and A. Q and A. If if you have questions that you'd like us to address on the show. Uh, you send them to uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and we get those. And while we don't respond to them immediately, what we do is we save them up, 
And then when we do a show like today, I go through and I search them, and today's show is going to be on mash efficiency. We've got a bunch of you that ask questions about mash efficiency. We bundle those together into a show, and you'll learn everything uh, you needed to know about mash efficiency. So uh, very cool. Send your uh, show questions to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. Scott, our first question is from John Gladden, who John. said, uh, Dearest Another no- John. i got a lot of Johns. Nothing but saying. Johns, man. Luckily, no one's named John anymore. I mean, like, your your peers are. (laughs) But, you know, soon it's just going to be like uh, Aiden and Taylor, and there there won't be any Johns left. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, in the meantime, this John says, Dearest knowledgeable sirs of the inebrial arts, uh, I'm tired of making almost good beer. Got a question about the mash efficiency and extracting undesirables from the grain. Uh, Details of my mash procedure below. But in essence, the question is, does very high extraction efficiencies also extract other undesirable grain components like tannins that can cause off flavors in the final beer? Well, and I think this is part of what uh, John was proving in in the previous show when he did his experiment about uh, yep. you know steeping grains and and you know steeping you know boiling grains. Um, you know, the higher the temperature, generally, the more you're going to extract. Uh, yeah. pH plays a role in that. Um, you know, the specific gravity of the solution you're using to extract. Uh, plays a role in that. So, um, yeah, you can extract harsh, unpleasant flavors at a high enough temperature uh, in a long enough time uh, and in, you know, the improper conditions, uh, you know, pH-wise. But the biggest thing is, uh, you know... um, you know, driving that extraction to extremes, uh, there are unpleasant compounds in those grains, and you don't want those. So, yeah, so he, he does go on to say that he does uh, a high, 85 to 90% extraction, and so that's his issue, basically, is what you're saying. Oh, he's getting high extraction. Yes. So, so he's talking about high mash efficiency, um, and if your efficiency is too high, you know, what's the problem? Well, um, it may not be too much of an issue. Uh, you know, it's an issue when you're extracting more, you know, of those kind of husk, tannin, grainy kind of uh, things. Uh, then I think I think you got more of a problem. But uh, you know, not necessarily because uh, you know if you got a good crush and you're waiting and you got good sparging, you know, may not be as much. Um, I don't know, uh, John. No, I, you, I agree with you. Your take on that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I typically get eighty five percent efficiency mm-hmm. with my rig, um, but again, I'm I'm doing pH adjustment, or you know, I'm 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 on top of that, and my sparge rate is low. I'm doing recirculation. I mean, there are there are several positive reasons that I'm getting high extraction efficiency, um, and my beers you know don't have uh, astringent off flavors uh oh so you say yes right um at least you know the couple that i've done (laughs) um (laughs) but you know but you can you can easily over sparge Mm -hmm. uh you know to try to get higher efficiency and then boil longer to you know to get your get your numbers and that definitely will give you a more stringent brew because you're you're your, the pH is generally rising uh, during the lauter, and especially if you're doing a lot of sparging or over-sparging, um, you can get a lot of tannin extraction out of the bed. So, and, and, and that's 
that's part of the basis of why you say, you know, don't shoot for high uh, extraction efficiency is because is to warn people away from the, you know, the possibility of over-sparging. Well, right. And, you know, uh, I think so in and of itself, good efficiency is not necessarily the problem. It's how that efficiency is being achieved. Yes. And, you know, are you over-sparging and letting the pH drop, uh, you know, or, or go up, you know, way too high um, and, uh, you know, getting into a condition where you're extracting those flavors and then boiling it down and concentrating it. I think that that is, you know, something you want to avoid. But you could do 85 to 90 without that problem. Generally, when somebody... Uh, home brewing tells me they're getting 90% efficiency. I believe most of the time, I don't know that this is the case, but I've seen it enough times that their measurements are off when they're calculating their efficiency. So their kettle indicator, you know, the, the amount that they're getting there, they're like, Oh yeah. And they, the volume is off just like a, a quarter gallon, you know, a couple of quarts. That's enough to seriously throw off your efficiency number. So I kind of take it with a grain of salt. How seriously? Like, are you talking they're getting 70, but they think they're getting 85? Like, how big is the... I've seen that, too, um, where somebody, you know, they're totally calculating it wrong and just... And they could be off by that much. I'm getting like 120%. Oh, I see. So it can be a lot. It can be like 15, 20 points. Yeah. yeah. Or 10 10 would be, I think, Yeah. Generally, you know, in the in the ten, you know, there's enough slop in the readings, and you know, so that's yeah. that's a potential uh, hole to fall into as well. So yeah, just be careful of that. All right, let's take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have more of your questions about mash efficiency right after this. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein? Yes, J.P. Lore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. But, Doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha <laughs> Yes, J.P. Lore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! <laughs> Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, J.P. Or we have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone 
Bonds are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like AHA member deals that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and Zymergy for tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love, and access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Starting a brewery is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's definitely a labor of love. If you're not going to give it 100%, don't bother. Brewers Publications is proud to present the Brewers Association Guide to Starting Your Own Brewery by Elysian Brewing's Dick Cantwell. Business plans, financing, sustainability, and more. This book takes you through the planning and execution needed to turn the dream of craft brewing into a reality. Whether you want to open a brew pub or a packaging brewery, learn the professional side of ingredients, wastewater, quality, and how to build the craft brewery of the future. The Brewers Association Guide to Starting Your Own Brewery, available now from Brewers Publications and BrewersPublications.com. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. And uh, I want to remind everybody, you want to sign up for the AHA. Are you an AHA member, Scott? Yes. There you go. Good answer. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> yes? <laughs> no, it's easy, too. You can go to thebrewingnetwork.com. 
uh, click on that AHA uh, logo there, and you sign up. And uh, for uh, one low fee, you get the Zymergy magazine, you get uh, the pub discount program, you get all the great forums that they got, you get uh, uh, a discount on uh, the National Homebrewers Conference, the competition, the GABF members only session. You get a lot of things that are uh, quite well worth it. Not to mention the fact that they're looking out for homebrewers and the homebrew cause amongst the halls of government. So uh, well worth your support. Good people there. Uh, Check them out. AHA. All right. So what's our uh, next question on mash efficiency, Scott? It's from uh, Jake Weisgerhoff. And he said, I'm an all-grain brewer, and so far all of my brews start off with uh, original gravity reading that always seems to be about uh, 0.010 lower than what it should be at about 70% efficiency on my Beersmith software. I only measure OG from the bucket after going uh, through the Therminator. Uh, I hear you guys talk on the show about measuring pre-boil runnings, and if they are low boil longer before starting the 60-minute boil and hop schedule, mm-hmm. but my refractometer is calibrated with distilled water at room temp, mm-hmm. uh, and it says it only measures at temps from 50 to 86 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get a, a rest reading, but how accurate is it at 152 degrees or a sparge reading at 170 or boiling at 212? I've looked online, and it seems all refractometers say the same thing, that they're only accurate from 50 to 86. Is this true? Right. That, that is true. Because all these ones with you know, temperature compensation, eh. Uh, here's, here's the trick. Here's the secret. You know, long-time homebrewer, first-time caller, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, take yourself a, a teaspoon uh, or a tablespoon if you're feeling generous, and uh, you... you Dip yourself out a sample. Get yourself an ice cube from your freezer, right? If you don't have ice cubes, you don't live in the U.S. Or, uh, you know, just get yourself an ice cube tray and put that in the freezer. You always have ice cubes. Take an ice cube. You get your metal tablespoon or teaspoon. You dip your sample and then you rest the back of the spoon on the ice cube. It will cool that sample down in no time at all to your target temperature range. And then you put a couple of drops on your refractometer, and you're good to go. Brilliant. Yeah. Quick quick and easy. Uh, and if he's only like, you know, uh, 0.01 off, oh, well, 0.01, uh, uh, 0.001, right? Uh, uh, 0.010, yeah. Oh? I think he's, what did he say here? Point, because uh, if, if so, one. It's, it's 10 points. Yeah. That would that would be like you know the difference between ten forty and ten fifty. Point zero one zero. Point zero one zero lower than what it should be is what it says. Wow. Okay, so there you go. Like, am I misreading like, that? Yeah, Second that line. could be like twenty percent off on a ten fifty. Hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Unless he he had his typo there, because if you're like oh one, then eh, who cares? But if he's that that far off, yeah, that's that's substantial. And you know, you, so here's it could, here's be, the, it could be volume measurements again, though. Right, right. And and here's the other thing. So in brewing classic styles, you gotta read the freaking chapter how to brew these beers. I know you already know how to brew, but what you don't know is the parameters of the recipe. And this is the things that people avoid that don't discuss. They're like, oh, you know, give me a recipe for whatever. It's like, well, 
Do you know exactly what the volume is? Do you know what formulas were used? All that's explained in that chapter of the book. And uh, so all those recipes are done for six gallons at the end of the boil. Okay? So it's six gallons, but a lot of times people do six gallons in the software, and the software has all these parameters, hidden parameters of, oh, you've wasted a half a gallon here and a half a gallon there, and then, you know, they've got these completely different numbers. I get rid of all that crap, and I just go like, okay, at the end of the boil, what do I have? That's the easiest thing, I think, to mention or to measure and to, to pay attention to. So, uh, you know, you need to be aware of those numbers as well, huh? All right, next one from uh, Phil Butts. He said, hey, John and Jamil, I have a question regarding uh, lowering your mash efficiency. Uh, in brewing classic styles and frequently on the BN, I have heard Jay-Z mention that a beer brewed at a lower efficiency, like 70%, will produce a, a more flavorful beer than one brewed at higher efficiency. Uh, question is how to lower efficiency of your system. Uh, I batch sparge, trying to collect all of my wort in two equal collections. On beers under 1065, I achieve 78% above that my efficiency. I achieve 78%. Above that, my efficiency tends to drop off as gravity increases. Uh, I know I could use a no-sparge technique, but I'm just curious if there are other techniques out there that could lower a system's efficiency. And please start shipping Heretic beer to New York, he says. Um, you know, it's just kind of a general thing as to when, you know, I don't yeah. know that you want to necessarily lower your efficiency. I mean, if you're running 70% or 75% or whatever... You're fine. If, even if you're running more, it depends on how you're achieving that efficiency. So, um, but, you know, blanket general statement, if you're, if, if you're using, uh, you know, homebrew equipment and you're generally, you know, achieving 90 plus percent, I would worry about that. Um, you know, as I would if you're using homebrew equipment, you're achieving like 50%. I think, you know, you want to kind of steer yourself towards the middle. If you're a little on the high side, a little on the low side, who cares? I don't think it's going to change the flavor that much. But, uh, again, like, like John was showing in his uh, extraction experiment in the previous show, um, you know, more extraction changes the flavor. You're, you're extracting other things than uh, when you extract less. What, what do you think on that, John? Um, yeah, I... I I think you're right. You don't necessarily want to lower your efficiency uh, to try to improve flavor. Um, what you can do is go to a no-sparge technique where you're doing more of a first-runnings beer. Mm -hmm. That will have a richer flavor. Um, but, again, looking at – you also have to look at the rest of the beer, uh, You know what, what final gravity you're trying to achieve, uh, what kind of beer character you're trying to achieve. Um, going back to what you were saying a minute ago, you know, your recommendation to try to or to kind of assume 75, 70 percent efficiency is merely to um, kind of get in the middle of the ballpark, not, you know, not have people striving for 90 percent mm -hmm. efficiency where you can get a lot of extraneous extraction problems. Um and at the same time, to um, not be satisfied with 50% efficiency, you know, something's mm -hmm. definitely wrong there. 
um, the where he's the the um, the question is kind of putting the cart before the horse or the the effect instead of the cause. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, I I think you know you, you bring up a good point there, John. Uh, I think you know when I was saying that that was in in response to people constantly trying to get you know over ninety percent in efficiency. You know, they were like, oh, you yes, know, right. efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And it's like, why in the world are you worrying about efficiency? You know, by, by doing that, by, you know, doing what you, whatever you can to increase that number, you're really hurting your, your beer flavor. Um, but that's not to say if you're hitting 80 and you're not really, you know, pushing it, um, there's nothing wrong with that, 80, 85. It's when you're, you know, doing these these bizarre things trying to squeeze every life yeah, I mean, yeah you're saving yeah. yourself a few cents worth of malt and you're not you, you've lo- at that point you've lost sight of the big picture which is the quality of the beer i think but you know if if what you get out of home brewing is geeking out over the numbers and you know making that happen then by all means do that who you know and and your beer's not as good because of that if that's what you enjoy, enjoy. But I, I think uh, the whole point of that, all my rants about, you know, not trying to get too high in efficiency, were about that versus, well, if your efficiency is high, lower your efficiency. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yes. There you go. I John, keep him. I keep him on mute right. because I'm being attacked by lumberjacks here. <laughs> Are they wearing plaid? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. That's half the trouble, I think. <laughs> they think you're one of them. Yeah, you know, if you hang one of those uh, no lumberjack strips, um, that tends to take care of it. It's right next to the the no soliciting sign on the shelf at Lowe's. <laughs> no lumberjacks. <laughs> there you go. All right, here's Jeff Burton saying there seems to be some confusion amongst my club and our local homebrew shop owner. Uh, he claims that the maximum efficiency with batch with batch sparging is sixty five percent. He also suggests to get better efficiency, simply add more grain. Can you clarify for me, please? John, you want to jump on that one? Sure. Yeah, the, um, a little confusion here on the definition of extraction and extract and efficiency. Um, you can you can definitely get better than sixty five percent efficiency with batch barging. Mm-hmm. Um, and adding a little more grain, uh, you're not trying to increase efficiency. What you're trying to do is increase your total extract mm-hmm. that you would get for the batch. You know, in other words, to get more gravity points, whether you want a stronger beer or you know a larger volume of beer, um, that's what you're doing when you're adding more grain. Um, the efficiency aspect tends to come from degree of crush pH, temperature, uh, conversion efficiency of you know the the uh, performance of your enzymes that is in, in the mash, and your laudering. Um, laudering is a big impact on efficiency. Um, how well you extract the sugars from the grain bed, how well you rinse the grain bed to get more extract out of that grain, uh, all those things affect efficiency and. Um, what your total extract is for the batch. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Crush is huge, and louder speed very huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the rest, and you know, and and the weird thing is, you know, people on the internet uh, and people reading a lot of stuff, they they focus on all these various things that you know, big brewers. And when I'm talking big brewers, I'm talking the giant mega brewers. When they can eke out a you know tenth of a percent of efficiency, then they're talking millions of dollars, right? For pretty much every craft brewer and every home brewer, it's not worth it. It's not worth you know worrying about a lot of that stuff. But uh, you know, crush is easy to change if you have your own mill, uh, and if you don't, well then don't change it at all. And uh, uh, you know, the louder speed you can change. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that poo-poo batch sparging. And it sounds like, uh, you know, that's one the case here. Uh, there's nothing wrong with batch sparging. Batch sparging is great. Uh, no, no problems with it whatsoever. There's no drawback really to batch sparging. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's the potential there for a thing, but the, the great thing about batch sparging is you can, uh, you know, let it sit for a while and then drain it off and drain off slowly and not worry about, oh, you know, my incoming water and all that stuff. And right. so a lot of people that aren't set up to do a really good fly sparge actually get more efficiency with batch sparging than they do with a poorly executed fly sparge. Right. Because you can you can let it sit longer very easily. Just walk away, go have a beer, whatever. You know, watch a episode of SpongeBob. <laughs> you know, and then come back and then drain it off nice and slowly. <sighs> Batch barging is is great for homebrewers, I think. So, yeah, you you. I think in theory you can get to 100 percent with batch barging. You know, Congress mash and there you go and batch yeah. barge. Uh, not an issue. So there you go. And yes. Uh, if you're running short of your gravity points, instead of struggling trying to figure out why you're not getting 75 instead of 72%, just throw in a little more grain. Your system will be happy that way. All right. Yep. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we will uh, have more of your questions right after this. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2014, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit DanStarYeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter, so get brewing with DanStar and get your entries in to the DanStar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at DanStarYeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with DanStar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and Enter to win. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 
21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfanet migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishef, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, during the break, you missed uh, what classic movies should you have seen, youngster, from from the old dude? I guess Night of the Living Dead uh, made up all the zombie rules. Yes, Night of the Living Dead. 
Is it um, about like what that you can't kill them with a gun, and that no, if you, you if you get if you get bit by do one, not, do you not know the zombie rules? I, well, I know some of them. I know that if well, you get apparently not if you get bit by one, you have to proclaim uh, or before you get bit, you have to say, "If I get bit, you, you got to shoot me." I know you don't want to, but you just you got to kill me. You got to kill me. They always do that, right? I know that rule. You, you no, please, please uh, don't don't embarrass me. All right, I'll go watch the movie. Yeah, all right. Uh, speaking of embarrass me, John, uh, <laughs> have you uh, shopped at AdamandEve.com? No, I haven't. I uh, I was looking for um, some mash paddles, and I just couldn't seem to find them. But uh, <laughs> yeah. they got some paddles there. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. Or they got they, things they, you could use for paddles. John, are you into S and M? No. Do you no. like gladiator movies? No. Do you enjoy being in the locker room with other men? You ever seen no. a grown man naked? <laughs> <laughs> but I like the movie Airplane. Yeah, there you go. And I think Pacific Another classic Rim. for the list. That's a good one. You know that movie was PG-13? Anything with rim in it, you know, yeah. when we're talking about that, the that sexual things, been, John, you should leave that out. That should have been full of hot chicks. I mean, Pacific Rim, it would have been <laughs> perfect. Hot Asian chicks, yes? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Now we're talking. Well, what I was talking about, what I was referring to was Adam and oh. Eve, our fine sponsor, adamandeve.com. Check them out. You go there, you use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, and you put one item in your cart, you use that offer code, you're going to get that item 50% off just about any one item they sell in their store. And then, that's all the money you're parting with, you're going to get a free extra gift, so essential I can't mention on air. You're going to get uh, free shipping. And then you get to choose three free adult DVDs. Am I saying free a lot? That's because they give you a lot of free crap when you when you join up. And those DVDs, they're not crap. You get to choose your categories like uh, anal, amateur, Asian, big breast, big butts, bisexual, skunky, co-ed, fetish, gay, POV, uh, lesbian, and MILF. And many more. Uh, you get to choose from those categories. You get to choose your three free DVDs. They'll ship those for free as well. Uh, all for using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. And uh, check it out right away. You could even do it from your mobile phone. There you go. All right, moving along. It's uh, Pat, Paul Bright with this next question. And he says, uh, hey, guys, do your extraction percentages vary based on the amount of grain you use in the mash? Uh, he says, I brew five-gallon all-grain batches, and I have noticed my efficiency numbers range from... 60 to 70 percent. The lower end of the spectrum coincides with a lighter grain bill in the 12 to 14 pound range. When I use 17 to 20 pounds of my of grain, right. uh, my uh, percentage drops. I think these differences are related to mixing, stirring the grains. Uh, obviously, it's more challenging to stir with more grain in the mash. I batch barge in a 10 gallon cylindrical cooler. Do other homebrewers experiences these experience these differences as well? Any suggestions are appreciated. Well, in general, um, what I what I found was you know similar thing you know smaller grain bed less efficiency bigger grain bed more efficiency, mm-hmm. which you know uh, <laughs> it's a little counterintuitive, but which really led me down the road of because I've got a, a deeper mash bed, my travel time through the mash was longer, so slower sparge. Better efficiency, and that's really what it boils down to, I think. John, yeah, yeah. and also as your as the OG that you're trying to reach increases, your efficiency will go down uh, because of um, 
you've got you have more sugar retained in the in the grain, um, well, higher he's, concentration he's gradient to overcome. He's experiencing the opposite. Oh, he's experiencing the opposite. Right. This is what I was saying. I experienced the opposite as well. You know, bigger, bigger, deeper grain bed, better efficiency. Shallow uh, grain because bed, of the, lower efficiency. The shorter, the for the same, yep. same uh, flow rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a maximum to, you know, what what you can extract out of a given mash. You know, there's a solubility factor that becomes a limiting mm-hmm. factor. But when you're talking, you know, your average. So this is one reason when I was brewing, I would make ten gallons of all my session beers, and uh, oh no, I do five gallons of my session beers, but I do ten gallons of my bigger beers. Um, which is completely the opposite. I've totally lost track. Uh, but really, what it boiled down to was uh, going with uh, you know going slower with the extraction. So um, the fact that you have uh, more grain or less grain, you're making a five gallon batch, right? Your your runoff time should be the same either way. Yeah, okay. I think that that helps. So if I'm running off in 30 minutes, if I've got four inches of grain in there or 12 inches of grain, um, you know, it should take the same amount of time because of the extraction rate. If you if you run it too quick, you don't get uh, enough extraction. That's why your efficiency drops on these, these short mash beds. That makes sense, yeah. Well, and this is where batch sparging really helps. Where you can just leave the, the right, grains in the mash. Right, so and really yeah. extract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we answer the question? I'm not sure. It, it sounds like it. Sure. Yeah. All, All right. right. We'll call that one done. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a kind of a long one. I'm going to try and get through it quickly. From Tracy Yates, he says, Guys, can you talk a bit about ways to improve brew house efficiency, especially in regards to sparging? I use a 10-gallon all-grain system from Northern Brewer with two round coolers, one that serves as my mashed and lauder and the other uh, as the hot liquor tank. Often I can't hit the ideal target, 70 to 75%, especially when brewing a big beer with more than 13 pounds of grain. Uh, the mash tun is almost at capacity with his triple, he says. Uh, usually I just scale everything up a bit and can hit my target OG, but I'd really like to figure out where I'm falling short. My mash temps are fine and always on target. I generally fly sparge using a hose with a siphon sprayer. I always keep at least an inch of water over my grain bed and go slow. It usually takes about 45 minutes. I recirc the water. I'm sorry, I recirc about five to six liters. Uh, until there are no grain particles before starting to collect the wort. I use 170-degree water or hotter. Always make sure the grain bed doesn't get too hot. With my last batch, I also floated a plastic lid on top of the water in the mash tun and sprayed the sparge water on that uh, to make the sparging even more gentle. Generally, I collect six and a half to seven gallons of wort to boil. John? Uh, go over the first part of the question again, Scott. Talk a bit you, about ways to improve brew house efficiency with regards to sparging. He uses a 10-gallon system. He often can't hit his uh, ideal target, 70 to 75%. It's kind of the opposite of, of what we were just on the last question. Yeah. So uh, he's having trouble when he gets to the big beers getting enough extract. His efficiency is is dropping a little bit on that. He's close, but he's not quite there. He wants to know where he's falling short, basically. 
I, I got to imagine channeling. Yeah. That sounds most likely. And, and the putting a pot lid on top of the mash can actually kind of encourage that uh, in terms of the, the flow down the sides of the ton, uh, rather through the middle. Um, yeah, when, when it, it sounds like he's using a lot of grain. He's got the got the cooler, the ten gallon cooler, almost full. Um, so, you know, the the problem or the the reason to put a lid on top is to avoid digging holes in a shallow grain bed. You know, but he's got a very deep grain bed, so that's not a concern. Um, he may instead instead be getting channeling down the sides. Uh, as a result, um, he might. One way to improve his efficiency a bit um, is to stir the top of the grain bed as he's sparging. Make you know, kind of, in other words, uh, kind of raking the grain bed like a lot of uh, professional brewing systems do. Uh, make sure that he's getting good flow through the majority of the grain. Um, you can. You can stir down to within a couple inches of your false bottom if you do it, you know, gently, uh, and that will help make sure that you get uniform flow through the grain bed uh, without, you know, getting lots of uh, small grist particles and lipids and so on into the wort. Right. You can you can actually your your mash can set up uh, an area of. Uh you know, low flow, like you can, one of the things that stirring does is it helps uh, homogenize the area that's being stirred. Yeah. Break up any denser areas. So, you know, he's he's talking about recirculation and all that, and that's all great. Um, you know, when you initially set up your mash and you're initially doughing in all that, one of the benefits of stirring is it homogenizes it, the whole thing if when you're if you're adding grain to water or water to grain you tend to end up with areas that are not quite as uh, you know consistent as the rest of the, the mash and so stirring the purpose of stirring is multifold but uh, one key component of stirring is that it homogenizes the whole mash and then when you do your recirculation and all that, if you're not, you know, channeling down one side or boring a hole in the middle or whatever, um, at that point, everything's set up evenly and it tends to um, flow evenly and you get, you know, better extraction. When you don't stir enough initially, uh, you can have a denser area and a, and a lighter area and the, the flow will be through the lighter area. And that's when you can be off by, you know, a little bit here or there. The uh, last part of Tracy's question is, uh, he says, on a somewhat related note, can you recommend the most economical step up in a homebrewing system to be able to better control those mash temps? Is electric the future? Uh, Yeah, that's a lot of opinion there. Um, I, I really do like the recirculating uh, systems where you are able to, uh, whether it's a RIMS or or a, um, what's the other acronym? Drew HERMS. HERMS, yes. Um, I, th- I think that does a lot to homogenizing or keeping the temperature very consistent during the entire mash. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, 
you, it's, you don't just let these things recirculate and walk away. You do want to stir it occasionally, make sure it's homogenous, like Jamil says. You don't, you know, where it doesn't form denser, less flow areas during the recirculation, during the mash. Uh, you want to keep that all kind of moving and fluid um, so that you get, you know, uniform conversion, uniform extraction. Um, but, uh, yeah, even though these, these RIMS and HERM systems can be you know, a little bit pricey to buy, they're not too bad to build, they're fun to build, and I think they do provide a pretty good step up in, uh, in efficiency uh, and uh, brewing fun. Well, and since this is the Brewing Network, I wonder if we shouldn't be saying homogeneous instead of homogenous. What's that supposed know. to mean? I'm I just throwing that out there, you know, for the <laughs> Brewing Network listeners to decide. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think electric is, is nice, is a convenience factor. Um, you know, it depends on how the electric is being applied. I think in today's... Uh, homebrew setups, electric is not so great because it's applying heat in, you know, one concentrated coil. I think the flame actually uh, is better because it, it's across the, the broad base of the kettle. So I think, uh, you know, that that's a definite, uh, you know, advantage there. And then uh, in commercial brewing, um, you know, what we use is uh, steam, and uh, steam's a very low heat, and uh, we p- apply it across a, a broad surface area in order to get that, and I think that that works quite nicely. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, electricity can be a little expensive, too. I mean, to really get good uh, ramp rates with electricity, you gotta, you almost have to use 220 um, to, get, to get enough heat into the system to give you a good ramp rate uh, for changing temperatures and so on. And for many people, you know, you don't have a ready source of 220 at your home. You know, especially if you're an apartment builder or something, you've probably only got 110. So... Oh, crack open that panel. I'll tell you, we'll, we'll do a, a Jay-Z's electrical corner one of these days, okay. and I'll, I'll tell you how to wire up a, a, your your skeezy uh, energy needs. Yeah. There you go. Well, if, you, if you if you get electrocuted, just sue the brewing network. I, I really don't give a shit. There you go. <laughs> Those homos will pay you out. <laughs> Those homogeneous people will pay. All right. Let's take a short geniuses. break. <laughs> yeah. They're homos and geniuses. Yeah, there you go. Hey, it's perfect fit. I'll take it. We need a new BN shirt. Uh, let's take a, a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with more of your questions right after this. And now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World? Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jamil Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouthfeel. That's just a crazy dream, or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home brewing goods for the future. 
Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zelishev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with DeVille. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Going to wrap up this show of uh, mash efficiency questions from all of you to all of us. Yeah. Let's uh, take David's question, David Shaper. He says, uh, hi, I was wondering if you could give me your thoughts on a sparging technique I have been planning for my next brew. Um, I am currently a brew-in-a-bag, all-grain brewer, recently upgraded from my kitchen stove to a turkey fryer. The fryer comes with a big basket with a handle that you are supposed to use to lift out the turkey. I was planning on putting the grain bag in this basket, and when the mash is done, pull out the basket and then use a grill grate to set the basket over the top of the kettle. At this point, I turn on the burner, uh, heating the kettle and pour the heated sparge water as evenly as I can over the top of the grain and allow it to drain through the grain and down into the kettle. Uh, I also plan to fabricate an insert or use some other means to close off the holes around the sides, forcing the water to drain through all of the grain rather than just come out the sides. Uh, I'll sparge this way until I'm nearly at my target pre-boil volume, then press the grain bag from the top to squeeze out the remaining fluid. Have you guys ever seen anybody do this? How do you think uh, it will compare in efficiency to a traditional three-vessel system? And a traditional sparging technique. Uh, I've seen similar. Um, Sounds like he's going to make a mess, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's home brewing. Yeah. Um, my only thing is, don't squeeze the grain. Um, yeah, I'd avoid that. I, you know, we should probably do some experiments on squeezing versus non-squeezing. Uh, that's just something we've been repeating, I think. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it'll work. It'll work fine. 
Yeah. Anything else to add, John? <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's, I guess I'm just a uh, stick in the mud traditionalist. I mean, the brewing the bag, um, somebody emailed me last week of t- talking about he was going to build uh, a bucket in a bucket system mm-hmm. to do Zip small grain brewing with. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if if you said, "Yeah, I want to," you know, try try brewing some more batches at home, and it's like bucket in a bucket's good, but you don't have much in the way of insulation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can wrap a sleeping bag, you can wrap it stuff around, but it's like, you know, for three dollars more, buy buy a cooler <laughs> and mm-hmm. use that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always, I guess, I'm always a little bit um, bemused when people don't brew the way I do, <laughs> which you know. <laughs> Arrogance yeah. at its finest. Um, well, no, I, I, I think uh, you know a lot of the stuff is done the way it's done because it works really well, and yeah. people trying to reinvent the the wheel. Uh, you know, wheel works. Yeah, you really do need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, you know, and yeah. and, and, and I so, guess that's uh, kind of how the you know putting the grate on top of the right uh, the pot and so on, trying to force the water through. It's like. Rather than going through all of these jerry-rigged, you know, mm-hmm. situations, uh, get a cooler, get a buy a false bottom, you know, six make bucks, one. yeah, yeah, and and do it that way because yeah, it works really well. Yeah, but you know, I also understand, yeah, you know yeah. the. You know, brewing a bag and geeky. And, you know, making stuff yourself and you know, and having fun with that part of it. So I understand that. that, that yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And you know, not doing commercially, so whatever. But uh, I think if your if your goal is just great beer, it's you know not much more expensive to just do it the right way and not try and change things like John's saying. Well, this email is dated uh, October sixteen. Uh, 2014. So, uh, David, if you've already done this, uh, write in and let us know how it went. Maybe he did reinvent the wheel, and uh, we're in the dark. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, by all means. All right, let's do one last one. This one's from Kerry Woods. He says, I came across a free ice cream maker motor that I've geared down to 30 RPM. I've seen people make masters with these. My system is a Sankey-based three-vessel Herms with a flat false bottom across the entire bottom of the mash tun. I've been getting overall efficiencies of 65 to 74%. What are the pros and cons of adding a stir to my mash tun? He says he already Vorloffs for most of the mash as his PIDs maintain perfect mash temp using the pump and moving wort through the coil. Uh, what are PIDs? Uh, proportional integra- in, in, integral derivative? What? Oh, yeah, that explains it. controller. Yeah. Okay. It's a, yeah, it's a controller that... Uh, Uses like predictive math to control the ramp and slope of everything that you know, trying to reach a particular setting. Yeah. Okay, so what are the pros and cons of, of this guy adding his uh, stir to his mesh tun? Uh, well, like we were talking earlier, uh, stirring will give you homogeneous uh, uh, mash, and which is a good thing. Um, Yet, uh, you know, I wouldn't like stir it forever. Um, I think you know you stir it when you're 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 getting in, and then and then that's it. And there might be reasons you cut the bed, you know, later. But during the sparge, yeah. yeah. Um, 
generally, you know, no problem with it. Just make sure you're up enough off the bottom that you're not uh, kind of screwing with things. To me, this guy sounds like he likes to, to tinker and likes to put, you know, uh, technology into the brewing. And that's a big part of what he enjoys. So I would say, you know, go for it. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think it's going to hurt anything. And I think, you know, he'll have fun, you know, adding another piece to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one for a while, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I One of my systems, I had I built a, a master like that. And it uh, it helped, but uh, eventually it was in the way and I went back to stirring by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so why why wasn't it in the way back when it was helping at the beginning? Well, it was. It was. It, it you know the first five batches on it. It was novel and hey, you know, it's improving things a little bit. But again, you don't want to have it on the whole time. Uh, you you want it because you're going to recirculate so, and clarify and so maybe on. a mixer that you know you drop in. It's got multiple paddles at different levels. Yeah, uh, you know, far enough off the bottom. You drop it in. It's got you know uh, wings that rest on the sides of the kettle. And you stir it up with that while you're, you know, initially, and then you just lift the whole thing out and kind of go from there. Yeah, and then maybe you know, do it, use it to like run the rakes during during the water. You know, mm-hmm. make sure everything's not compacting and so on. Yeah, um, at Heretic we have uh, you know four separate vessels. We got mash, uh, mash mixer. We got the louder. We got the kettle. We got the whirlpool. And mash any mixing we do, it's all done in the mash mixer. Then we pump it all over to the louder, and then we really don't run the rakes unless there's a problem. You know, we don't cut the bed unless there's any sort of issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another fine show, all brought to you by your great questions you ask by sending submitting them to uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. So uh, we really appreciate that. You guys uh, uh, provide us a lot of great grist for our uh, mash of a show. And uh, can't go wrong. I'll tell you, you can't go wrong with uh, any of our fine sponsors. That's uh, right. Blickman Engineering. Go check them out. Blickman with two N's. Innovating your brew day. Uh, check out Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com. Uh, lots of great uh, adult uh, enjoyables there at Incredibly low prices and, and great great uh, great customer service. Well, we're also supposed to promote uh, other BN shows, which I blew right past. So, oh, yeah. you know, hey, the session Monday nights and uh, the Sour Hour Wednesdays and Bruce Strong again later this month on Fridays. And Brewing with Style. And Brewing with Style. Yeah, also on Mondays. And uh, we got the no, Police Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Tu- oh, Tuesdays. We got, we got the Police <laughs> They all blur together. We got the, we got the Tasty McDole. We got it all. Uh, you know, we got it going on around here. I'll tell you, if you enjoy what we do, check out the Brewing Network store. TheBrewingNetwork.com slash store. Lots of goodies in there. You know, books that John's written, books that I've written, books that John and I have written together. That's right. And glassware, hoodies, hats, everything you could want. Uh, And when you sport that gear, when you buy that stuff, it all goes to the bottom line. Brewing Network really helps keep shows like this on the air. So until then, everybody, I want you to brew strong. Bruce Strong, everyone.